Welcome to Podcats. Welcome to Podcats, a podcast journey through the smash musical and movie phenomenon, Cats. My name is EJ. I'm a journalist, and my jellical name is Ejizabub. <laughs> my name is Dan. I'm a musician, and my jellical name is Polycopat. <laughs> That are, that's a real, is that a real jellical no. cat? No, Chloricopat is a real jellical cat. He's my cousin. <laughs> so why, why are we here, Dan, discussing uh, the movie musical Cats, widely believed to be uh, one of the worst movies of all time? We're here because we love it. We do. We love it so much. I was thinking today about how my one regret like after having seen the movie for the first time like a month ago is that I wish it could be tattooed like on the inside of my <laughs> eyelid so I could watch it all the time. I was thinking about that today. Yeah, I would get that tattoo. How many? And we've seen Cats three times together. We've seen it three times together in theaters. Once on opening night, once on New Year's Day, and once at the first ever Rowdy Cats screening in Brooklyn. And we're normal, right? Like we're relatively normal. As people? Yeah, I think so. We have functional relationships. and We function in this world so, as somewhat normal people, yes. Yeah. Um, like, you have, like, a girlfriend. and I have a girlfriend. I'm a musician, so I don't think you call me normal, but I, um, you know. I have a child. and You have a child. And a husband. Sure, a husband. My child. You have a job, real job. You have a real job. Yeah. <laughs> you, teach, <laughs> you teach people the gift of music. But anyway, we're normal people. And uh, we got sucked into this world of cats. Um, so what, Dan, what is your connection to cats? Uh, so as I said, I'm a musician. And my first ever paying gig when I was 14 years old was playing guitar for a production of cats. Um, a summer stock production in Long Beach Island, New Jersey. And so I grew up in kind of a cats hating, snobby, musical theater loving, but cats hating household. But And so I was raised to hate cats, but then when I was forced to play it for three weeks straight, eight times a week, I fell in love with it. What about the music resonated with you from a musician's perspective? Mm. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's just awesome. Like, it's actually super weird. The overture and all the instrumental sections especially are very strange, like atonal, um, atypical music that you would normally hear in musical theater. And I like that. It's, it's actually kind of edgy and badass. Then some of the pop, song, poppier songs just like hit super hard. So my connection to Cats, it doesn't come as far back as you. Um, I actually, I think I had seen the stage show once when I was in second grade and I remember being really terrified the whole time and then I sort of just forgot about it. And then when the trailer came out, um, I was like, wow, I have to, I have to get into this again. I have to like check this out again. Yeah. And then we saw the movie and the utter like weirdness of it. And this, and especially like the soundtrack just really resonated with me. And I felt like, like I'm a journalist and I just felt like I had to find out absolutely everything about it and how it came to be. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of why we're here. And how many times have you watched the 1998, um, filmed stage version since we saw the movie? So my son, who's three years old, um, I he got really into it. He's a he's like obsessed with Jemima and um, who's one of the cats. And he 
figured out how to fast forward to the parts that have Jemima in them because he's disgusting. He's a disgusting pervert. <laughs> and um, so I've seen it a lot for that reason. But also I've seen Great excuse, it, by the way. It is. It's absolutely an excuse. Great I'm not, excuse for having watched that. I'm not going to deny it. It's <laughs> really I love it so much. I love it so much. It is so good. And we're going to spend this season talking about why it's good and why the movie is good despite some minor reservations that we have and why everybody was wrong about it, basically. Okay, so if you're listening to this podcast, like I assume that you have seen Cats. Hopefully. At least once. But if not, that's okay. Like we will kind of guide you through what it is and um, summarize it for you. Yes. Um, But just briefly... Like what what is the plot of the movie and like what is some of the criticism that people had of it? Well, the plot of the movie, um, it follows the basic guidelines of the show, which is that they are there are a bunch of cats called the Jellicle Cats who get together once a year and basically audition to die. And why did people dislike it? Well, there are a few reasons, and this is something I think we will debate um, in the podcast, but what people seem to dislike based on the reviews is, first of all, just the CGI. It's very scary. It's a frightening um, sort of mix of a cat and a human that looks like neither, but like sort of the worst versions of each. And they have hands. They have human hands. They have cat faces but the faces look very cgi'd people really were uncomfortable with the visuals and the the world that the movie put you into they also don't like that it seemingly has no plot or has a very strange plot they also don't like well what else don't they like i think that there was a lot made of like this weird sexualization of the cats Mm -hmm. Um, they didn't like that Jason Derulo, who plays, um, Rum Tum Tugger, AKA the cat that fucks was a cat that fucks. Sure. Um, they didn't like, I don't think they liked to see Serene McKellen lapping up milk. I personally loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was great. I I think it made, I think that made them uncomfortable. And Uh I think, I think it was just generally like they were confused by the basic, premise they found it very dark and Mm -hmm. um also the lyrics but i mean these are things that like we consider assets and we're gonna explain why absolutely so here are some of the questions that we like hope to dig into this season um we love cats the movie and the musical um but i think we can both establish like we can agree that both are absolutely bonkers, right? Oh, yeah. the Absolutely some of the most insane artwork I couldn't think of. Yes. Um, so why was this movie made? Um, and to sort of answer that question, we have to dig into the history of cats and how this weird-ass show about horny cats that fuck became an international phenomenon. Um, we're going to try to talk to like former cast members and cats aficionados and explain why it resonated with so many people, um, and also what went wrong. Um, because we're not so subjective and biased that like we can't acknowledge that there were flaws and problems with the movie. There were mistakes made. There were mistakes made, and Dana's going to talk about the mistakes that were made. Um, 
But also, like, we're going to talk about whether it truly was as bad as people think it is. But to do that, we have to know what Cats is and how it came about. And how it became the phenomenon that it was. Because let's not forget, it was a phenomenon. Absolute phenomenon. Longest running Broadway show of all time. Billions, gross billions, four billion. Four billion dollars. We're talking the musical, the Broadway musical, globally grossed almost four billion. Yeah, not the movie. The movie did not. The movie lost a lot of money. Yeah. The so movie. I want to know why. I want to know how and why. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know how and why. And mostly, I mean, this is just an excuse to talk about cats, though. <laughs> because, like, we've been talking about it for the past month. I'm pretty much nonstop. We've been talking about it so much that we decided we need a, a space to talk about it. We thought it was socially important. It's starting to affect our family lives. And so we need a space every week where we can just t- uh, take this time and talk about it, get about it, get it out of our systems. It's true. My husband said it was ruining his life. <laughs> he said it was ruining his because i introduced it to our kid he said it was ruining his life and uh so now we're gonna ruin your life (laughs) instead of his so enjoy that enjoy stay tuned for podcasts (laughs) so in order to explain uh cats Mm -hmm. i actually i found a website which is Andrew Lloyd Webber's website, um, is the copyright is to the really useful group, which is uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's company. Uh-huh. And <laughs> its synopsis of cats opens with the following. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. Midnight. Not a sound from the pavement. Suddenly, an explosion of music and lights reveals a larger-than-life junkyard. Probing car lights tear across the darkened landscape of bottles and boxes, briefly catching the darting image of a running cat. Uh-huh. Who's, who's the running cat? Jemima, I think. <laughs> it's not Jemima. It's not? We talked about this. Who is it? It's Demeter. Oh, of course, Demeter. It's Demeter. They have the same markings. They have the same markings. And same, the same collar. Same collar. Yeah, it's it's very easy to confuse Demeter and Jemima. Yes. Uh, Demeter, of course, is the one who sings in the middle of memory. Jemima's the one who sings oh. in the middle of memory. Oh, of course. <laughs> this out now, so as not to embarrass you. No, no, no. It's okay. I'm I'm okay with with uh, not knowing. No, it's who's fine. Who. So Demeter runs across the stage and she goes like a cat. She hisses. She hisses. Yeah. And we we we. It's like a car goes by and the car the headlights yeah. briefly show the cat and then she hisses yeah. and she goes. Yeah. And tonight is the one special night each year when the tribe of Jellicle cats reunites to celebrate who they are. Uh huh. So first, Dan. Before I go any further, um. I want to ask you, what's a jellicle cat? What's a jellicle cat? <laughs> well, it's never explained. The word jellicle is used repeatedly over and over again for the whole show. We know all kinds of things about jellicle cats. We know. What do we know about them? Um, f- to start out with, they're blind when they're born. They can <laughs> see in the. They can see in the dark. Um, jellicle cats are rather small. Jellicle cats are of moderate size. Jellicle cats. They, they, they have, there's songs in the show which are just saying different things about jellicle the cats. The first two or three songs, right? 
they have three different names. The first three songs and then the Jell- the intro to the Jellicle Ball is also mm-hmm. explaining what what je- qualities Jellicle cats have. Mm-hmm. So as far as I can tell from what you're saying is that Jellicle cats are cats, basically. They're cats. They're blind when they're born. They see in the dark. Andrew Lloyd Webber will say that he has said in interviews that every cat is a Jellicle cat. Fundamentally. Fundamentally. Every cat is a jellical cat. So the cats reunite to celebrate who they are. They emerge singing of their unique abilities and special traits. So which song is this? Jellical songs for jellical cats. Right. And um, the cats are at first suspicious and proud, reluctant to allow an audience into their domain. Is that reflected in the number? The quality of, of the cats? The, the cats being suspicious and proud? Yes. Absolutely. The... the, the they're suspicious. When you see the show, the cats are suspicious of the audience. Um, as an audience member, they're they're letting you in, and they're saying they're almost you know suspicious and almost offended that, they, that you don't know what a jellical cat is. So they're saying, okay, fine, like we're the jellical cats, we can do all these things. We can't believe you don't know what a jellical cat is, yeah. but we will tell you what a jellical cat is. But then they don't tell you what Jellico Cat is. They just basically <laughs> say a few things about Jellico Cat. Because they're like, they can't believe that you Yeah, know. then they say, do I actually see with my own very eyes a man who's not heard of a Jellico Cat? What's a Jellico Cat, they ask. Uh, what's a Jellico Cat? And then they don't tell you what a Jellico Cat is. They just go straight into the naming of cats, which is a beautiful poem where they explain... That cats have three names, one that their human owners name them, one that is much more mysterious and dignified, and then one that is long and complicated and a secret, and they will you will never know that name. So it's basically an introduction into cat subculture lore, the first couple numbers of the show. Is that yes, correct? Yes, correct. Right. Um, but you don't actually meet any of the individual cats at this point? Um, no. After, after the naming of cats, mm-hmm. they explain what the Jellicle Ball is. So we figure out that so tonight of all ball? nights is the Jellicle Ball. The Jellicle Ball is when, it's a ball. It's, the cats are getting together. They, get to, they do it once a year. And the old cat, the wise cat, the leader of the Jellicles, which we've discovered sort of maybe is this group of cats that we are seeing. They call themselves the Jellicle Cats, and maybe... The leader of the Jellicles is this man cat, now in the movie a woman cat, played by Judy Dench, um, who is an old cat. He's a lot of the Jellicle cat's dads, and he is the leader, and he has a special magical power. He's their dad? He is many of their dad. How do we know this? It's it's, um, in the song Old Deuteronomy. There's a lyric that mentions it. And he has a special magical power. What's that power? The magical power is that he chooses a cat every year that will basically die. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's, before we unpack that, so so that ability requires a magical power? Well, okay, unclear, I guess. Uh, We know that he's choosing the cat who gets to do it. It's It's unclear if it's his magical power that is ultimately sending the cat to die up to the heavy side layer, cat heaven, and then to eventually be reborn into a new jellicle life. So the heavy side layer is actu- is an actual thing. Mm. 
In science. In science. Yes, it is. Shows what I know. Um, the heaviside layer, sometimes called the Kennelly heaviside layer, um, is a layer of ionized gas occurring between roughly 90 and 150 kilometers or 56 and 93 miles above the ground. One of several layers in the Earth's ionosphere. Um, so, yeah, so like a, it's above the Earth. Okay. Like multiple miles above the Earth. So it's, it's an actual thing that T.S. Eliot knew about and wow. incorporated into this uh, cat lore. Right, but he sort of added this science, this um, science fiction element of when a cat goes into the heaviside layer, that cat is then reborn. Right. So, yeah, I I wouldn't say that the inventors of the heaviside layer um, incorporated that into their <laughs> their studies. Um, I, I yeah, that is probably a T.S. Eliot edition. <laughs> it's poetic license, sure. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so the cats when they're reborn. They go to the heaviside layer, and that means that they're reborn. But effectively, that means they die. Okay. That's what you mean by, by they die? Yes, they die. Mm-hmm. Their current life ends. They go, they float up, um, and their current life ends, and then they're reborn as new cats. So why do they want to do that? Um, well, it's not made clear in the show. In the movie, Tom Hooper adds some artistic license, and he... Um, Basically implies that these cats are unhappy with their current lives as they are and that they would like to have a new life as a new cat. But the rest of the show pretty much is consists of the cats singing their songs, introducing themselves through a song for the most part, and reaching to old Deuteronomy as if to say, touch me and by touching me you will choose me as the cat who goes to the heaviside layer. So, so they establish the conceit of the show, which is that these cats are auditioning, although they don't call it auditioning, to go to the heavy side layer. So, yes. who is the first cat to audition to go to the heavy? The side first layer? cat to audition is a Gumby cat named Jenny Annie Dots. What is a Gumby cat? Um, a Gumby cat sits around the house all day. Basically, mm-hmm. it's a sort of a roly poly kind of cat. Her name is Jenny Annie Dots. She sits and sits and sits and sits, and that's what makes a Gumby cat. And that's what we know about her. But then we also discover that when everyone goes to sleep, the Gumby cat is tap dancing around um, t- with her crew of mice and rats and etc. Like all the other creatures that are smaller than the cat in the house, she enlists to be in her tap dancing routines. That's interesting. So it basically, so I'm I'm a cat owner. Yeah. And uh, so it basically like provides backstory and an explanation for like what cats do when humans are asleep that song yes yeah and and it says that cats are more industrious than we would expect absolutely it's basically mm-hmm. it's it's implying that a gumby cat specifically is uh like you know an art is putting on shows while we're asleep i hope I that's true i hope so too so after the gumby cat is introduced and auditions, so to speak, uh, to die. Um, who who is next in the death audition parade? Next up is uh, Rum Tum Tugger. I see. Okay, so who's Rum Tum Tugger? Rum Tum Tugger is the sexy rock star cat. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. The rum. He's a rebel. He's a rock and roll singer. He's he's kind of like the you know. He's just. He's a rock star, and all the cats 
either either they're envious of him, if the the the, the other straight male cats, or they are in love with him, or they think that they want to fuck him, basically. So does he fuck? He fucks. Mm-hmm. Who does he fuck? Anyone he wants. Does he fuck anyone in the show? Um, is there sex in the show? There is sex heavily implied in the show through the choreography. Ex- explain. <laughs> Elaborate. It's a, it's a sexy show. Like the, there is sexual choreography. There's, in this number specifically, there is. I just watched it the other day. There's a there's a part where uh, one of the female cats is sticks his head sticks her head directly into his crotch, and he thrusts forward and basically knocks her over. There's a cat blowjob that ends. There is a in cat blowjob. Yes. Wow. In the show. Wow. This yes. is the 1998 version. This is 1998, which is the same choreography, as far as I know, as the original 1983. Wow. Okay. Um. So Rum Tum Tugger, the cat that fucks, auditions to die. Um. Another and- quick aside. Okay. Apparently, in the original Broadway production, the Rum Tum Tugger. Um, used to go out to the audience during his show. And one woman was so uncomfortable with the sexually suggestive nature of his dance that she sued the production. (laughs) (laughs) For sexual harassment. (laughs) She sued? Sued. Did she win? She couldn't have They must have settled. No, it couldn't have settled. It should have been thrown out of court. I bet they settled. Unless she was literally, unless he took his pants off and put his barbed cat penis directly in her ear, then I don't really understand how she could have possibly had any case whatsoever in court. I mean, certainly in 1983. The Um, cat is a cat that fucks. She knows that. You have to know that going in. When you go in, you know that Rum Dum Tugger fucks. And if you're going to be sitting in the first few rows, then you're in for it. Here's my question. Is Rum Dum Tugger a good person? A good cat. I think he's ultimately a good cat. He's ultimately the one who suggests that at the end that they get Mr. Mistopheles to help out. Okay, so I I don't want you to spoil the plot. Okay. Yet. Um, But but I I mean, I know what you're I would say Rum Tum Tucker is is a good cat. Okay, and they're all good cats, right? They are good cats. For the most part, okay. So, So who is next to audition to die? Um, well, before anyone even auditions, an old lady cat comes on stage, Grizabella. I don't even think she's singing at this point. She's basically walking across the stage as other cats are singing about her. Mm-hmm. In a not so nice way. So what do they say about Grizabella? Um, they basically say that she used to be Grizabella the glamour cat, and then she became a prostitute. And now she is an old, washed-up hag, and she's trash. Okay, many questions. Yeah. What is a glamour cat? Unclear. Okay. And uh, what is a cat prostitute? What does that entail? I mean, I would assume a cat prostitute is much like a human prostitute. Does it allow... I mean, what, what evidence do you have to substantiate that assumption? None, but what... I mean, look, basically... What T.S. Eliot wrote was, I believe, that, that she used to hang out in these pl- these places that are known to either be brothels or, you know, hang out in these neighborhoods that are known to be, broth- be brothel neighborhoods. So she's a fallen woman. Yes. Based, a fallen cat woman. Mm-hmm. 
And what is the distinction? So Rom Tom Tucker, if Rom Tom Tucker is the cat that fucks, yeah, and Grizabella is also a cat that fucks, sure, for money. So there's a like a major double standard here. Absolutely. Is that something that you would say the 2019 adaptation is conscious of or takes into account? No. <laughs> <laughs> would you disagree? No, I would not. I do not think they take into account at all um, the t- 2019 view of sex work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and okay, so Grizabella makes her entrance. And it's established that she's a fallen cat, that she's sort of stigmatized, she's cast aside, um, she's and and she's not allowed to be in the Jellicle Ball, right? No, and so especially the other cats, especially the other female cats, sort of whenever she shows up, hiss her away, scratch at her, hiss her away, shoo her away. They, we don't want you here. And so after Grizabella is sort of shooed away. Uh huh. Who is the next to audition to die and why? So after that very serious number, Grizabella the Glamour Cat, Mm -hmm. we have a very lighthearted number um, about a cat named Butsifer Jones. Butsifer Jones is a cat who looks like he is dressed in a tuxedo. He has tuxedo markings and he is fat as fuck and he eats. He eats. That's what he does. He eats. He eats (laughs) trash. So Butsifer Jones is, he's just a fat cat who eats. And the whole song is a big comic, it's a big comic number where the punchline is this cat is fat and eats himself sick all the time. That's the whole, that's, that's the whole song. That's the whole song. So who is next to audition after Butsifer Jones, the fat so cat who Jones, eats trash? Yeah. We have this wonderful number, Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, in which these twin cats who are burglars... Um, tell us how good they are at burglaring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really cool number. There's parts of it that are in like sort of this weird, odd time signature where they're doing these. They're, they're very good dancers. They're singing this exciting song, and then at the end they do this giant double cartwheel. So it's like a showstopper. It's a showstopper. So after Buster for Jones auditions to die, these two come over and they're like. This old guy's auditioning to die, but look at us. Is that is that accurate? Pretty much. Okay. And are they? Sh- are, would it be accurate to say that they're um, scene stealers? Absolutely. And look, it's also look, listen. Angelo Weber knows what he does, and this is one of the things they really. He's no, he knows what he's doing. And one of the biggest rules of musical theater is you have to have contrast and variety between your songs, like. Um, you don't want to have four ballads in a row. Mm-hmm. You want to have a sad, a scare, a sad or a scary song, and then a happy song or a dance song or whatever. You want to keep the audience interested. Contrast, contrast, contrast. And he succeeds pretty well in the show, and that I think is why that number, Michael Jerry and Rumble Teaser, is there because you've had Buster for Jones, which is happy, but it's not necessarily a showstopper. It's about a fat cat who's bumbling <laughs> around. So you need a showstopper. And then after the showstopper, we are finally introduced to Old Deuteronomy. All right. So Old Deuteronomy is the magical old cat who decides um, which cat gets to die, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And what do we learn about Old Deuteronomy from this song? We learn that he's old. He's been around a long time. He's had many wives. He has a lot of kids. And uh, so that's how we learn that the cats are actually his kids. 
that some of them are his kids. Mm-hmm. Do we know which ones? Um, we don't. Some mm-hmm. it's sort of hinted at again by the choreography. Sometimes, <laughs> always it hinted at. Sometimes when they say that that he has little kids, some of the cats sort of, you know, they do a little thing to acknowledge that they're mm-hmm. the kids. But um, who's his kid? Do you know? I don't okay know. If you don't. Um, okay, so we introduce Old Deuteronomy. He comes up. Um, does he choose who's gonna die immediately? No. So he just shows <laughs> up basically, and then. He shows up and he basically announces that now we can have the Jellicle Ball. And what is the Jellicle Ball? Jellicle Ball is when the cats get together. They have this huge dance party. It's really weird. We're coming like, this is early 80s, right? So we're coming off of the Studio 54 days. Like, basically, it's just like, this is like a, you know, the... This, these are, like, think about the Wiz. Like, that weird dance sequence in the Wiz. Like, that, that's how I think of What's the dog. And the Wiz, like when they show up at Emerald, Emerald City and then they're all like dancing and it's like different colors and you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Have you seen the movie of the Wiz? It's been a while, but yeah. Anyway, whatever. We're talking late 70s, early 80s, like post-disco, these strange drug-fueled dance parties uh, where things are getting weird. And that's what the Jellicle Ball is, to me at least. Like they're showing up, they're having this giant dance party. And then at the at the end of the also included in this dance party are these cats who are going to audition and ask to be chosen to die to die, um, and that happens once a year. So Old Deuteronomy shows up and basically gives them permission to commence with the Jellicle Ball. Now that he's here, the Jellicle Ball can begin in earnest, and they have a huge, incredible dance number. He seems like a more of a taskmaster than sort of than a magical yeah being yeah yeah maybe um, he but I think he's just kind of a it's kind of like a father figure who's saying like all right kids like now it's time now, now it's, it's time to dance now it's time to dance now it's time to choose someone now it's time to to do coke and and right now it's like. He, <laughs> Papa Deuteronomy showed up, like, who wants to do some coke? Yeah, do your coke field dance party. (laughs) Yeah. And he just, he just, like, during the Jellicle Ball, when they're all doing these incredible dances, he is just watching from the back of the stage on a raised platform, not really dancing, because it's usually played by a really old, really large man, (laughs) and just sort of doing motions with his arms that go along with the dancing that the actors are doing. But almost like he's a sorcerer who's, who's, who's like guiding them along in their dances. So I found this website um, called freewebs.com slash jellicles with a Z slash pairings. And do you know what it is? No, what is it? It's uh, the cat's fandom's pairings of which jellicle cats are boning or mating. Okay. When was this website made? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. I'll show it to you. You 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 date this. Carbon date this website. I'm not an expert, but to me it looks like maybe... Mm, I'm going to say like at the latest 2005. Yeah, I would agree with that. At the at latest. At the very latest. The very latest. And it's an extremely extensive pairing of all of the cats and it's not quite ships like what you would call ships in the fandom which is when some they're rooting for someone to yeah yeah like it's sort of it's not like 
it's sort of in between Cat's canon and shipping because like it's somewhat based in reality in the sense that like the argument is, oh, this cat touched the other cat's hand at the Jellicle Ball. So like this means that they're dating. Okay, so they're basing this off of real life, like real life choreography in the musical. Yes, exactly. Okay. But it's a huge stretch. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, like they they it, it's it's a pretty like they make make a couple leaps of logic. Okay. Um okay, so can I read some to you? Please. Um well, can you you want to guess one? Do you want to guess a couple? Okay, sure, I'll guess. All right. Okay, I'm going to say um Monkestrap mm-hmm. and Jemima. No. No? No. Okay. It's not on the list. Okay. Monkestrap and Demeter. And they call it... Well, you know I always confuse Jemima and Demeter. Oh, that's right. You do always confuse... <laughs> let's, pre- <laughs> let's pretend that I meant Demeter. <laughs> okay. So they call it um, Demistrap or Monkumeter. <laughs> and this is canon. And there's like a very... This actually is canon. Um, according to Jillian Lynn's choreography in the 1981 documentary. Yeah. You know, when she tells Demeter to put her hands on her body like yeah. Cavity did when he yeah. made love... You know, when he made love to her. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is actually like grounded in cats. We know that the choreographer told this dancer to put her hands on her body as if to remember when McCavity made love to her. Correct. Yes. So McCavity is Demeter's ex and McCavity storms the Jellicle Ball to steal Demeter and Monkey Strap protects Demeter from McCavity. And that's why they're nuzzling at the end of uh, that scene. Oh, wow. Okay. Good to know. So that's canon. Demeter and Monkey Strap. Is this website assuming the cats are monogamous? Good, really good question. Really good question. Yes, it okay. is. Okay. So, but they basically have like multiple versions of like the same character with multiple people. So, like, Mistopheles is paired with like four different cats. Okay. But I think within the universe of this website, within the universe of freewebs.com slash jellicle slash pairings.html, I think, I think that they are assuming that the cats are in fact monogamous. Okay. Um, so Mistopheles uh, is also a popular pairing. Sure. Um, there's debate as to whether he's dating Victoria or Cassandra. Okay. Victoria being the white cat yeah. in, in the Cats movie. Yes. Um, where that is canon in the Cats movie that he's dating Victoria. Right. Um, but I didn't know it was in the show. He takes Victoria to the Jellicle Ball. When he's welcoming everyone to the Jellicle Ball, does he take Victoria by the, by the hand or something? I, I think they mean that he, he dances with her for like a oh, couple... Oh, he dances with her in the Jellicle Ball sequence. He's But the, but the way that um, freewebs.com slash Jellicle slash pairings um, phrases it <laughs> is that um, he's her escort. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning she paid for it? No, he's her, he's escorting her to the ball. Like he's It's like a debutante ball. ball. Okay, okay. Yes. Okay. So Cassandra is also another pairing... But the most popular one, and they say this on the website, yeah, on on freewebs.com slash jellicles, that this is the most popular pairing is between Rum Tum Tugger and Mistopheles. No way. Tugophiles. <laughs> Rum Tum Tugger and Mistopheles. Because Rum Tum Tugger is the one to introduce him in his, yes, big, in his exactly. big song. exactly. Yes. You ought to ask Mr. Mistopheles. Only Rum Tum Tugger knows what Mistopheles is capable of. That's exactly what they say on this website. You're kidding me. That's exactly what they say. They say, Tugger sings Misto's entire song by himself. The only song he sings other than his own in Old Deuteronomy. And he seems quite familiar with and fond of Misto and the things he can do. That's exactly what they say. Right. They know he knows he only he did knows what magic. Did you write this magic. website? No. <laughs> okay I did not. Did. I did not. All right. Uh, also, they say um, borderline sensual touching. 
is also the evidence between Ron Duggar and Mrs. Mistopheles. Mm-hmm. Borderline sensual. I wonder attention. what number that's in. I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't purport to know. Um, also, Skimble Shanks and Jenny Any Dots. Skimble Shanks and Jenny Any Dots. And I want to show you the reason. For Why? This. I'm going to show you. It is a photo located on the inset of the 1998 VHS. Please describe what you're looking at. Okay, I see Jenny Any Dots, but it's not actually Jenny Any Dots. It's the it's the character who the actress who plays Jenny Any Dots plays when she's doing an ensemble number. What are you talking about? What? That's Jenny Any Dots. No, she has a different name. Just like asper- like Gus the theater cat when he's in the ensemble oh, the is, known as, is known as right. asparagus. Jenny Anadots also has a different name. I don't remember what the name is, but it's that actress straddling Skimbleshanks. But um, they're all in cat's makeup. So is this like when, like, are, are you nitpicking like, oh, Penelope Cruz. Oh, it's not Penelope Cruz's character doing this. It's Penelope Cruz because she's like out of care, out of like makeup or whatever, or out of costume. No. Like, are you nitpicking? No, because this is... A, I'm talking about two characters. The if, ensemble if, if, if Penel- character if, if and Penelope Jenny If Penelope Cruz were cast in a play mm-hmm. and double cast where she played uh, one character and that same character's mother and they wore different costumes and I saw a costume of her doing <laughs> an activity in the mother's... Uh, uh, if I saw a picture of her doing the activity in the mother's costume, I wouldn't then later say... That the daughter was doing that activity. Okay. We're talking about two characters in the show. We're not talking about the actress versus the character. I think you should reach out to the owner of the <laughs> website <laughs> and tell them that they're wrong. They that are. It's the, they are it's wrong. The ensemble character. Jenny Anidots is a pretty clear costume. So how is the how are their costumes different? Jenny Anidots is the fat gum like orange gumby cat costume, tap dancing fat gumby cat costume. But then she takes off her coat. Okay, now that's, we're really that's getting- the movie. No, she takes off her coat in the show. Okay. Do you think old Deuteronomy is is fully good? Um, I think there's good and bad in old Deuteronomy. What's the bad? In the movie, the good is it's all good. It's, it's all, all good. supposed to be good. But like, what is the bad in your interpretation as like a cat scholar? Um, I think old Deuteronomy is just you know he's. It, the same way, like you could, he's like a god figure. In the same way, you could ask, like, if you're a religious person, you could ask, well, if God exists, why does all those horrible things happen in the world? And so, you know, then a religious person would have a reason for that. Or I don't, I don't really know what the reason are, is, but these things happen for a reason, and good and evil have to exist for a balance. I think that old Deuteronomy is very much allowing good and evil to exist within the cat world. And I think that my guess would be if it's old Deuteronomy's. That, that old Deuteronomy has the power the whole time to control McCavity, but he allows McCavity to do his own thing. We haven't talked about McCavity. We haven't McCavity. talked about McCavity yet. So, so who is McCavity, and when does McCavity first show up? So McCavity, I think at this point, has shown up, but it's not necessarily a number yet. But once in a while, you will just, the stage will go black, and you will hear um, a scary sound, a crash, often a crash, like as if someone's breaking glass, and one cat will just ominously say, McCavity. And then maybe you'll see his face, or maybe you'll see a you'll little see his face? A flash. Maybe not even his face. You'll see a little flash of something, and the cat will look scared. Um, so who's McCavity? McCavity's an evil cat. 
But do we know why he's evil? We don't know yet why he's evil. We just... Do we know it all? We, all we hear sometimes is McCavity's not there. As so, we, so, so it's implied that maybe he's an evil cat who uh, commits crimes and then uh, you don't see him anymore. So he's sort of just like a, he's sort of just like a disappearing. Yeah. And of course the movie takes that literally and makes him a magical cat who can disappear. But in the show, it's more like maybe he's a very tricky cat who will commit a horrible crime and then disappear. And the cats are all terrified of McCavity. So what happens next? So we have this, again, musical theater. We have this giant dance number, which is incredible. And then uh, after this giant, this big climax, once again, Grizabella shows up. Um, you have a little... The glamour cat. The glamour cat. And the cats, again, are wary of her, but uh, this beautiful music starts playing underneath her walking across the stage. And for the first time, you hear one verse of the song Memory. And what is the effect of that as a viewer? Well, it's the most beautiful song on the show, or at least the most famous song on the show. It's not why I go see in the show, the show, but it's basically like that's what people think of when they see cats. They think of this incredibly epic operatic song. And so you see Grizabella, this sort of tattered... Uh, washed up cat and she has a beautiful voice and she sings a verse of this and you say what's going on here like what's going on with this cat um and not only that but when she finishes close act two and i'm sorry end act one so she finishes in this she and then you have this song stuck in your head and you're wondering about this cat during intermission that's a very effective choice very effective choice i should also say during intermission when you see the show, you can go on stage and pet Old Deuteronomy. So that actor has to be on stage for the entire 20 minutes of intermission being pet by strangers. And what and what does he look like? Like, why would people want to pet him? He wears a giant fluffy coat. That sounds great. Yeah. How does he feel? Have you pet him? I've never pet him. Um, but I'm sure he feels very soft. And he usually is played by a very, like, happy actor who, who maybe will interact with the kids a little bit. Does he talk older when you pet him? I don't know. I've never pet him before. He might. So we're on act two. So now we're on act two. And so what, what is the, um, so who auditions to die in act two? I assume we're back to the auditions to die. Act two starts with a song called Moments of Happiness. <laughs> A nonsense song where Old Deuteronomy, I don't know what it's about. I've seen this show, I don't know. I mean, how many times have I heard this song? Oh, certainly in the hundreds. I have no idea what Moments of Happiness is about. It's basically Old Deuteronomy just singing some nonsense at the audience. Can I read the lyrics? <laughs> Please. On Google, it, it starts with some context, which you pointed out earlier. Yeah. It's after the Jellicle Ball and the cats are resting. <laughs> Contemplating before they resume introducing more cats. And then uh, Old Deuteronomy sings, The moments of happiness, we had the experience but missed the meaning. An approach to the meaning restores the experience in, in a, a different, different form, form beyond any meaning. Does the, this make sense to you? Not at all. 
We can assign to happiness the past experience revived in the meaning. It's not the experience of one life only, but of many generations. Not forgetting something that is probably quite, quite ineffable. ineffable. Mm-hmm. I hate this. You hate moments of happiness. I really, and I like everything else about Cats, and I hate this song. It's nonsense. It's an absolute nonsense song, but it basically <laughs> is just establishing Old Deuteronomy more as a figure that should as be... As God. That's, as God. Um, we have Gus the Theater Cat. Gus is a heartbreaking cat. Gus the Theater Cat it, by itself is a really beautiful, touching, although slow Who is song. Gus? He's an old actor. He's an old cat who used to be the maybe the best actor in the world. Maybe just by his own telling, the best actor in the world. What it's do you unclear. Think? I think there's a good amount of just him seeing himself that way. I disagree. You think he was a fantastic actor? Well, it's not that I think he was a fantastic. I think he was the only cat actor. Mm. How many cats are working on the stage today? Basically, you know? you're saying like he was in a show. I think he was probably in a couple shows. Right. I think it was like the Frasier dog, you know? Like, right, I think right. he was the Frasier dog of the Victorian era. Yeah, okay. Basically. And that he's recalling like the three roles that he had as the Frasier dog. And, but that's, I mean, there's nothing to sneeze at, you know? So let me ask you this. And this is sort of a question that um, is relevant to the entire show. <laughs> okay, all right. When we say... When Gus tells us he's the theater cat, when Skimble Shanks tells us he's the cat of the railway train. Uh Uh-huh. I think this is a great question, by the way. I can anticipate it, and I think it's a great question. Okay. Do we actually think that these cats are working in the theater, are working on the train, or are they just feral cats who hang out in the theater, who hang out on the train? Maybe you even hang out in the alleyway of the theater, like just the cat who happened to live in that alleyway near the stage door, and then... In his telling, he's Gus the Theater Cat, but in the human's mind, he was just that cat who hung out. I think, I think that it, there's a middle ground here uh-huh. between the scenario you're proposing and the scenario that they're proposing. I think that, like, okay, so is there such a thing as a railway cat? Yes. Like, there are cats on trains. Sure. You know, but, like, the whole point... I mean, we'll get to this with Skimbleshanks, but like the whole point of Skimbleshanks is that he like clearly overinflates his role on the trains for comic effect. But like, is there such a thing as cats on trains? Yes. Same thing with cats in the theaters. You know? You think they let the cat in the theater? I don't think they let the cat in the theater. I think the cat had a role. You think the cat? Oh, no. So you like think- Eddie on Frasier. Okay, okay. I think, they- I think the cat was just hanging out in the alleyway. And you think the, the cat had nothing and the, to do. the actors in the, in the theater company just sort of let him in because they liked him. Maybe left the saucer of milk out. You think the cat had nothing to do? And with the cat had nothing to do with the theater. But he talks about the in the song. He talks about the roles that he did. Listen, how could he talk about so many specific roles? You think he's lying? I, yeah, I think he's a, he's got an, he has an overactive imagination. You think he's lying? I think maybe Gus the theater cat is lying. I don't think he's lying. I just I think I, he believes himself. No, obviously he will like look, nobody's gonna say that Gus the Theater Cat is a sociopath. <laughs> nobody's gonna say that. But is Gus the Theater Cat I think he had roles, but they're small roles, you know? Like what roles are there for cats in the theater? Sure. Well, are there any roles for cats in the theater? 
Yes, there are roles. Did he maybe just sneak on stage one night? Have you seen Breakfast at Tiffany's? No. Not on stage. Very large role for a cat. On stage? How many cats have you seen on stage? I just said Breakfast at Tiffany's. On stage when you saw that you saw that on stage. Well I didn't see it, but I know that there was a cat. You know there was an actual cat on that stage. Yeah. Okay. I think that's that's what Gus the Theater Cat was doing. Okay. Fair. I do agree think... To, agree to disagree. So you think he just made it up? I can't believe that you think that. I know too many actors, too many old actors who make the things up like that. But it's a cat! <laughs> exactly. So that me- that makes it more likely that he made it up. Well, so this is supposedly a very emotionally resonant number. Like, there are people who cry, and I'm one of them, who cry during... You don't cry. Oh, I cry. <laughs> you cry I, despite the fact that you know he's lying or I think that I, I have it feeling he might be lying, but it doesn't matter if he's lying because I don't think he's lying to himself. He is feeling all of these things he's telling us, and that is what resonates emotionally. Wow, that's even sadder than the like the face value. Maybe. I mean, do I think that Grizabella was an actual cat prostitute? No. Then what do you think she was? I don't. I don't know. Probably a beautiful cat who got old and got kind of ugly or like got left out on the street. So you think it's metaphorical? Maybe she was the cat that was actually in the brothel, the human brothel. So she was like the cat that watched the humans get fucked. Uh, Maybe. Maybe she was a beautiful cat who had a beautiful home and then got bought by this owner or got found by an owner who owned a brothel and she was just this beautiful cat who was stuck in a brothel and got kind of neglected and became Grizabella. I think you have a very literal interpretation of cats. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, uh, I think you... <laughs> I think you know too much about cats and like the roles cats play in everyday life. Okay. And that inflects your interpretation. I'll, of yeah, you. I'll take it, but I... I listen, it's just, it's how I see it. I, I, I see these cats as lying to us. <laughs> you see all the cats as lying? They have overactive imaginations, I think. I mean, that's an, that's an interesting interpretation. So it's you the same think- way I feel about dogs. I feel like if, if dogs could talk, I love dogs, right, more than I love cats. And it's like, if in my imagination, when I am talking for a dog, I'm, ima- I'm imagining this dog as the dog is imagining that he or she has a way more important role in the household than he or she actually does this dog is the one who is actually in charge of the humans getting things done right but we know that the dog isn't actually the ones who are getting these things done you, when the dogs you, see themselves as important and getting things you know so when you inhabit the brain of a dog you imagine all dogs thinking this way mm-hmm. you have a very skeptical view <laughs> of dogs so you think these cats are lying to themselves to get through the day I mean, these cats are lying to themselves, basically, yeah, to get, to, to, to get through the day and feel important. But you know what? That actually makes perfect sense, because otherwise they wouldn't audition to die. Yeah, sure. sure. Makes perfect sense. It does make sense. They would love to end their life. This is very dark, but I, I'm on board. It's just one interpretation. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good one. So Gus auditions to die. He puts in, it seems like a pretty, I mean, how effective would you say Gus is? I would say incredibly effective. There's not a dry, okay. there's not a dry eye in the house. If you don't cry at the end of Gus the Theater Cat, you're a sociopath. Okay. So after Gus auditions to die, who's the next to audition to die? The next to audition to die is Skimbleshanks. Okay. Course, and who, and who is Skimbleshanks? The Railway Cat. So 
by his telling, Gimbal Shanks is the cat who makes sure the trains run on time, etc. Like, he's the one taking care of things in the train. So how is his audition? How does it go? Well, it's a great number. It's a great number. Uh, uh, the cats make a train, sort of. Is Gimbal Shanks auditioning to die? I guess. It also seems like he's pretty happy with his life and pretty content being the railway cat. So... Mm-hmm. Maybe he's saying, like, look what I've accomplished. Please let me die. Or maybe he's saying, maybe he's just explaining who he is. I don't think it's really uh, made clear. So after Skimble Shanks may or may not audition to die, what happens next? After Skimble Shanks um, auditions, sings his incredible song, we get um, another McCavity appearance. McCavity shows cat. up, the evil cat. I think this is probably... Actually, I think... I can't remember if this happens after the song or before the song. But at some point, McCavity uh, captures Old Deuteronomy. Makes Old Deuteronomy, the god cat, disappear. Maybe it happens after the song. But uh, we get this song about Who's McCavity. sexier, Rum Tum Tugger or McCavity? It's like... Um, McCavity is like that ultimate bad boy. It's like the women who uh, were married to El Chapo. You know, he's like the mm. fucking bad guy. And so, in a, in a in a way, that's sexy. Like this is a bad, powerful fucking cat. You know, it's the is El Chapo a sexy man? Like especially no. as an old man. No. I don't know what he looked like when he was younger, to be honest. But um, Gross. He looked gross. Right now, certainly, he looks gross. I bet you his wife or girlfriend, whoever, is pretty hot. She is. I would imagine. Um, I think it's probably the same with McCavity. And so Rumtum Tugger, as we discussed before, is ultimately a good guy. He's sexy. He's a rock star. He's like a... I don't know. He's an Ed Sheeran. No, Ed Sheeran's not sexy. But, uh, yeah, you know, why the fuck would you say Ed Sheeran? I don't Sheeran? know. Who's a, who's a sexy... Um, Sean Mendez. Sean Mendez. That's who I was going to say. He's a Sean Mendez, but you know, a little bit, maybe a little edgier than Sean Mendez. But um, he's a Harry Styles. Zane Malik. He's Harry Styles. No, he's oh Harry Styles. Yeah, Harry Styles. Now, Rum Tum Tugger is a Harry Styles. Yeah. Um, but he's fucking. He's an El Chapo. He's a bad motherfucker. And some to some people that is sexy. He's powerful. He's broken every human law, which is something they 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 talk about. So he's killed. Oh, he's certainly killed. And he's incested. He has incested. He Those breaks the, the law of gravity, which rhymes very well with McCavity. Maybe why they say it, but also maybe he has. I don't know. Okay, so they sing about McCavity. They they describe McCavity, and and so why do they sing about McCavity? Plot wise, plot wise, McCavity is about to make Old Deuteronomy disappear, or has just made Old Deuteronomy yeah. disappear, and Old Deuteronomy, as we know, is like going to make this whole thing work. Um, and he's the father of the cats. He's the father of the cats. He's the, he's really the reason this whole he's the, he's the taskmaster. He's the reason this whole thing is this whole ecosystem, Jellicle cat ecosystem, is functioning. And so here's old Deuteronomy. He's gone missing. Everyone's freaking out. There's kind of a fight with McCavity. There's an onstage dance fight. There's a fight. He, McCavity wins. Old Deuteronomy it's, disappears. Things are looking very hopeless. Mm-hmm. Rum Tum Tugger then for sure shows up. He says, you ought to ask Mr. Mistopheles, the original Conjuring Cat. The original Conjuring Cat? What, what the fuck is that? 
We've we've seen him before, right? But we don't really know what his deal is. Mistopheles, where Mistopheles. do we see him? He's in the he's in all the numbers, the ensemble mm-hmm. numbers. The greatest magicians have something to learn from Mr. Mistopheles' conjuring turn, and we all say, "Oh well, I never have I ever a cat so clever as magical mystery to- Mistopheles." And what is Mistopheles? One of the most awkward phrases of all time that Angela Weber magically turned into a catchy song. It's ever- true, really catchy. Oh well, I never. Have you have? I can't even say it. Oh, oh well, well, I never. I never. Have you, have ever, you ever a cat so, so clever, clever as, as magical, magical Mister Mistopheles? Presto, presto. That's in the show. That's in the ninety eighty eight version. Yeah, they don't do that. So either. important. Yeah, and he, well, that establishes him as gay. Presto establishes. Presto. That's that's part of it. <laughs> if you're making the argument that he's gay, you know. You know, if if I were making the argument that he was gay, which for the record, I am making that argument. I would say that the light-up leather jacket is the <laughs> what actually established him. It's a clue. No, I think it is the clue. I don't think it's the presto. I think it's the light-up leather jacket. He comes down on a rope, twirling around, <laughs> twirling. And I want to watch it so bad in a light-up leather jacket. And then when he comes down, he says, presto. And then he does a, um, no, he doesn't do the 12 consecutive fuetes this later. But he does the, um, what is it? I don't even, what is it called? When a, it's a, uh, I can do it right now. But I, you, you can do it and you're welcome to it, but I will not know what it's called. He brings down the house. So, Listen, yeah, he has, it turns out not only is he number. magical. He does a few magic tricks on stage, some, some stage magic. Not only is he magical, he is the best fucking dancer in the show. He's a, he's the dance captain. He does a number that is it blows your fucking mind. Yeah, it's really it's the best number in the show. It's really amazing. It's incredibly exciting, even though it's repetitive. And he brings old Deuteronomy back. And at the end of the song, he brings lo and behold, he brings old Deuteronomy back. And he's his son. It's established. Yeah, maybe it's not established. I think it's established. Eh, no. You don't think he's his son? No. He licks him. Yeah, sure. But they, they're cats. They lick each other. Not all cats lick each yeah, other. Yeah, sure. Fine. Okay. Um, but they, make, they get into some Mistopheles back. Grizabella shows up again. How? Again, after a huge number, she shows up again. She just kind of waltzes on stage, I think. But this time, Jemima, not to meet her. Jemima. And who is Jemima? Jemima is a young, beautiful cat. She's a very hot cat. In the 998 version, she's a knockout. Yeah. Whoever you are, we should look her up. We'll see if we can interview her. Maybe. maybe we can I would her. love to interview her. <laughs> she shows up and she actually starts singing Memory. And Why? Because she heard Grisabella sing it. And it's a beautiful song, and she sees something in Grisabella. Maybe she sees that Grisabella was once a young, innocent cat like herself. And she, I think she maybe also sings it partially as a declaration of hope and joy that Mistopheles, that uh, Old Deuteronomy is back. I should also, I, I think both of those interpretations are correct, but also, and we'll delve into this in the next episode, but... Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's second wife was Sarah Brightman, who yes. is a very famous um, sort of pop opera singer who has starred in a number of his shows. And Sarah Brightman started her career as Jemima in Cats. Right. 
And so I think that it may have been Andrew Lloyd Webber's way of throwing a verse to the oh, lady that he I wanted also, to pork. I also read, I think that like the original production was a very like horny, oh, like drug induced, I assume, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like especially once they were a hit, like if they started making money. The cast was, it was a cat, you know. And the, then everyone fucked. And then ev- everyone fucked. Mo- notably, the creative team of uh, men fucked the female cast members. The less At least powerful that's female cast members. Surprise, surprise. Can you believe it? No, <laughs> Can I you can't. believe that the men in power it's shocking. fucked the female class members who, who needed a break? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe even threw them reverse in previews. It'd be interesting to see, uh, to, to go back, if we, see if we could find out, maybe make a note of that, is, see if we can find out if, who got me if Jemima, well, who got me to it, but if we could find out if Jemima originally had that verse. Yes. Or if he added it in previews. Mm-hmm. I bet he added it in previews. So Jemima starts singing it, sort of as a way to connect with Grizabella, and then Grizabella feels emboldened yes. to sing her own song, and that's the song that we know and love. Yeah, which culminates in one of the greatest belts of all time. Mm-hmm. Can you can you approximate it? I can't. I can't. I simply can't. But I will tell you that um, the way they set it up, like there's a few. The, the song just has some like sort of natural key changes built into it, and the way they set that up with the orchestration and everything, it's not even that high. Like it's not as high as you think it is. Most people who can belt can belt that note, I would say. It's high, but it's not like, it's not Eden Espinosa high, you know? And so, like. <laughs> Eden Espinosa. <laughs> Isn't it Gina Menzel high? It, it's it's not, it, you know. No, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't, you know, Adina. Oh, get Eden's trouble. a much higher. Eden the Adina Menzel mafia would come after you. They will. Who, by the way, like there's a lot of overlap between the people who would potentially listen to this podcast and the Athena Menzel Mafia. Oh, of course. So Elaine Page or Betty Buckley or whoever hits this note, and it's and it's a high note, but it's not that high. But it, but but the way they orchestrate it, they, it's like one of the most show stopping fucking notes. Yeah. In musical theater, even though there are plenty of notes that are higher. This one will knock your socks out, especially when Elaine Page or Betty Buckley is the the voice behind it. They're amazing. Incredible. Um, So here we are. We hear this note, and then all of a sudden, all the cats are listening in, and they all decide that they have sympathy for this cat. They're like, wow, we had no idea it was like that. You can belt... You're sympathetic. And you can belt. <laughs> you can belt. Mostly you can belt. But also, like, you know, like, we hear your story. We get it. Like, and so in, in that way, like, it is a little, it, there's a little bit of like, okay, maybe you made some poor decisions or maybe you just had some circumstances that in your life that led you to a path that we don't approve of, but now we are approving of you. Still not ideal. It's still not really accepting that maybe sex work is a choice, but it is at least, you know, accepting her now. And old Deuteronomy, of course, also accepts her. And then touches her hand, which, as we know now, is a symbolic way of saying, right. I'm choosing you. And then... You are 
The Jellicle Choice. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the movie. And then they send her up. <laughs> up, up, up past the Russell Hotel. Up, 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 up to the Heaviside Lair. Is she happy to be going there? She's thrilled. She's it's it's all she's ever wanted because she's a miserable life. The cats all hate her. She's in the street. She's so she wearing wants rags. to die. So she, she wins the die. contest to, to die. Yes, that's and good. And she dies, and she's so happy about it. And they had this. That this is where the key changes happen. It's up, one simple up, melody. Up past the Russell Hotel. Up 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 to the heavy silence. Up. Up, up, and it keeps up. going up. It keeps going up. Is it the lyric is up, and the and the key keeps going up, 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 just like a Stevie Wonder song, just like the end of Golden Lady. It's just up, 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 and so there you go. It's going up, and then she and dies. Then she go depending on the production. There's different ways that they send. Sometimes they send her in a tire or something. You know, they send her up into the top of the 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 rafters of the theater, and she dies. And then, as a finale. Old Deuteronomy addresses the audience and explains to you how you should go about addressing a cat. And why does Old Deuteronomy do this? Well, Old Deuteronomy um, wants... I think that the conceit of the show is that, again, is that you are a stranger in this Jellicle Cat world. And they are sort of like... Oh, you, you don't know what a Jellicle Cat is? Like, you don't know shit. You are, like, in my house right now, and I will explain to you what's going on. And so this is kind of Old Deuteronomy's final goodbye. He's like, listen, I've allowed you idiot humans to stay with me through the Jellicle Ball, mm-hmm. and now I am going to explain to you finally, before I leave you, before I tell you to get the fuck out of my house, like... Before I I go away for the year until the next Jellicle Ball, leave my where does he go? Cats alone. We don't know. He lives somewhere else. Where do you think he goes? I think he probably has like a nice path. Hamptons. <laughs> Hamptons. We're in London though, so maybe you know. Hamptons. What's the London equivalent? What's the England equivalent of Hamptons? Brighton. Brighton isn't that kind of trashy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say old. Rodney. I don't know what I'm talking. He about. goes. He goes to Brighton. He goes to Southampton. He goes. To, he goes to a... Um, so Okay, so he goes to Brighton, or it's some classier version of Brighton. So he goes to the... Yeah, whatever they... But before he does, he wants you to know how to address cats. Before he does, he's like, listen, you idiots. This is how you do it. Next time you see a cat in your real life, this is how you... First of all, a cat... He, he said, the first thing he says is, you got to understand that a cat is not a dog. He's like, you guys are such idiots. Like, listen, a cat's not a dog. Don't treat him like a dog. Don't just, like, reach down and pet this this cat like a dog you have to bow to this cat and address this cat you have to say with in a manner of respect say oh cat and you basically do that you bow you show this they this this um deep respect and then eventually you can call the cat its name and that's the end yeah (laughs) that's the end and all the cats what do you are, think about that as an ending? Um, it works. I don't know. Memory is the true climax, and the addressing of the cat is a bit of a letdown. But you know, it it, it works to sort of send you off. Like 
Andrew Lloyd Webber arranged a very beautiful sort of choral number for it, very operatic kind of like, you know, he's like, now we'll, he, he gives the cast an excuse to show off their vocal chops and he knows how to, he knows there's some things that Andrew Lloyd Webber knows musically and one of them is like, Orchestral, like Orchestral, yeah, like an numbers. operatic surgeon kind of like mm-hmm. he knows either he like the vocal arrangement thing, like he knows how to arrange voices. I don't know if he grew up in church or what, but like he just knows how to arrange voices so that it's exciting, like so that you can have this this like operatic thing that's exciting and like leaves you feeling emotional, which is what he does. I also think that like as a cat person. Like, I'm a cat person, you're a dog person. Yes. I find a lot of comedy in it, too, which I don't think comes across in the film version as uh-huh. readily. Uh-huh. That, like, it, like, a cat is not a dog. Yeah. You know? It's very in line with the whole theme of the show, which is, like, these cats having a very high opinion of themselves, which is consistent with cats. Absolutely. You know? That's how cats sort of operate. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that it, it makes a lot of sense that they would end on that note. I agree. I agree with that. It does. It does make. It does make some sense. Like, it's a good conclusion. And also, I love in the show that the cats they have these sort of like choreographed reactions to everything that Old Deuteronomy is saying. You know, like when he mentions a tasty food that you can offer a cat, the cat sort of lick their lips, or then mm-hmm. like. That's in the movie too. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Fair. It's magnified in the movie. Yeah. And then if you, when they mention what else, whatever he mentions, the cats sort of have these reactions, and you see them all. But the choreography in the movies, and sorry, in the show is especially good because they just have these like very synchronized, very cool movements that, um, that are direct responses to what's being said. So, if you could summarize cats. Yes. In like a sentence or two, what would it be? Um, you are introduced to a group of cats called the Jellicle Cats, and you happen to meet them on the most important day of their year. One of these cats will be chosen on this night to be reborn and have a new life, and you will see which cat it will be. Yeah, I agree with that. Cats audition to die. Yes, they audition to die. Um, and I don't blame them because whenever it, I think about the life of a cat or the life of a dog, I think, man, that must be boring. Yeah. I get why they would audition to die. I totally understand it. This, it's sort of like clickbait. Like, these cats will audition to die, but which cat will it be? It's a lot. Yeah, I would click on that. I understand why it made a billion dollars. Sure. You know? So in the coming weeks, I guess, we'll talk about how exactly a musical about cats auditioning to die was made. How was it made? How did it become so successful? How did it become so successful? What is it we loved about it that we ended up hating when they made the movie? Yes, exactly. And I really genuinely want to know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I can't wait. Thanks for joining us at Podcast. See you next time. Mm-hmm.